Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast, where your source for personal, professional, and organizational growth and development, where we share original research, explore industry trends, and interview executives and thought leaders from across the globe. We hope you join us often for practitioner-oriented content around all things related to leadership, HR, talent management, organizational development, and change management. Maximize your personal and organizational potential with Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Do you enjoy the Human Capital Innovations Podcast? Enjoy ad-free listening by going to the Patreon page, and please consider contributing even at the producer or sponsorship level. And please leave a review. Thank you for your support. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HCI podcast episode, I talk with Latoria Pierce about the future of job sharing. Victoria Pierce, welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Thank you. Happy to be here, John. It is a pleasure to be with you. You're joining us from the D.C. area. I'm south of Salt Lake City in Utah. And today we're going to be talking about the future of job sharing. Job sharing generally, we'll unpack that and explain what that means and how it can be utilized within organizations, but also how it connects with things like our DEI efforts within our organizations, and really how it can reshape the way we even frame up our understanding of work design and what that means for our people. As we get started, I wanted to share Latoria's bio with everybody. Latoria Pierce's background is a unique mosaic of exciting and gritty paths as she has built solutions and led initiatives at both the community level and national scale in private and public sectors across media networks and a couple of her own startups. She is a storyteller at heart, a strategic thinker, and a strong leader with a passion for impact-driven work. She considers leadership as the best opportunity to serve. A pleasure again to have you. Anything else you would like to share with me or my audience by way of your background or personal context before we dive on in? I know that was great. I'm ready to get started. Okay. Well, let's start then by defining job sharing. Uh, Please Tell us kind of your conception of job sharing and what it looks like for you as you've worked with clients and with various organizations on this topic. Yeah, well, to kick things off, I will say um, thank you for the intro. Uh, My company, Handoff, is actually an early stage software SaaS company uh, in the future of work. So we build software that enables job sharing, um, as well as that optimizes the quality of a shared workload when small teams kind of pass the baton, they hand off that work um, kind of one to the other. And the mission behind it all is to help employers leverage flexibility in order to make room for untapped talent pools. Uh, We could talk more about uh, who is untapped talent uh, and, and all with the intention of maximizing both productivity and connectivity uh, at scale. So um, that is the the heartbeat of handoff. Um, When we think about SaaS, um, excuse me, when we think about job sharing, just keeping it simple, it's two people sharing a workload. So that could be two people sharing an actual role. Um, Like for example, uh, our first 
uh, piloting team is an executive administrative team. Uh, they both assist the CEO and they just pass that baton, uh, sharing that role. And then another form of, um, it's not necessarily job sharing, but it's the same DNA is, like I mentioned, that workload sharing. When you have small teams who, I like to call them relay teams. It's the easiest way to explain it. When you think of the Olympics, you've got like four or so amazing runners that could really handle the track themselves, but they come together, they collaborate to go for gold. And that really is kind of like the small team or that role share that we see within a shared workload with small teams that still has the same DNA as job sharing. And I throw that in there to say, um, you know, job sharing has been a thing for decades in Europe, in the uh, in the European workforce. But when you say job sharing stateside here in the U.S., everyone's like, what is that? Yeah, I think we've all experienced um, that kind of collaborative environment, which is a form of job sharing. Now, what you're describing is also structurally a formal approach to where you can have multiple people essentially taking collectively fulfilling a full-time position, right? Yes. And one one of the classic examples I've heard about, I've actually seen, it's it's one of the few I've actually seen um, in real life beyond just talking about the idea of it is in my children's public schools. Uh, so in elementary school, it's at least in my area, it's not uncommon for some of the teachers to be in a job sharing kind of a contract um, especially if, if it's a female teacher who is in kind of the child rearing years and is like having kids and wanting to work, but also be at home with the kids and kind of having that balance. Uh, I've seen that a bunch of times with a bunch of my kids teachers where they've had multiple teachers. Uh, they're not considered, you know, substitutes. They're not part-time. I mean, they really are the you know, part of a full-time position, they just take half. And then there's another teacher that takes half. So one teaches in the mornings, one teaches in the afternoon, mm -hmm. uh, and it works out great. Uh, it's better for the, for the teachers because they have a full-time position with benefit. You know, they have a, a like a full-time position with benefits, uh, but they can work part-time. They have the flexibility, et cetera. It's better for the students because they're not going through constant, you know, uh, substitutes or, or constant part-time people. Yeah. Uh, it's better for the school, like it's better for everyone. And so when I see that kind of an example repeatedly in the, in my own experience and with my children's teachers, I can't help but think, well, why aren't there more, mm -hmm. why don't we see more of this within yeah. organizations? Uh, and I just use the, the example of a mother, um, but it could be a father, you know, who's dealing with paternity issues. Um, it, it could be someone who isn't a parent at all, but just wants to work part-time, you know, like mm -hmm. it could be any situation. And I think because of our rigid conception of work design and like a traditional nine to five job, 40 hour work week, et cetera, we, we think that we're kind of locked into that, but I don't, I don't think we are. No, I agree with you 100%. And I think that, I think that on the talent end, Actually, I know that on the talent end, the interest and the demand is there. It's one of the first things uh, I learned when Handoff kicked off uh, research and development. We had thousands of candidates who will show up. And I think you uh, created a great segue to talk about these untapped talent pools. The caregiver talent pool alone, so caregiver being uh, your working parents, mostly our uh, mothers, 
Um, and that's also included, including that the 16 million single or breadwinning mothers in the workforce. And then you've got uh, your working fathers as well, about 2% single parents. And then just those folks who take care of loved ones who are not children. These could be neighbors, these could be their own parents, but about 70 million folks in the workforce who need that equilibrium of like being able to have career building. And oftentimes they're interested in non-gig work because there's a passion or there's a a career track that they followed. And none of us want to stop that um, because we also need time to take care of, of children and the folks that we love. We should be able to do both. Um, and so that's a, a major untapped pool of talent, that caregiver talent pool, especially when we think about uh, mothers, the single moms in, in, in the workforce who really have the skill sets and the passion, uh, the passions that employers are looking for, but they're often overlooked because we've got this very, um, just kind of this tunnel vision around what a 40 hour work week looks like. Um, and it's not just your caregivers, other untapped talent pools are your older working adults who have put a lot of time into the workforce. They're not necessarily ready to retire, but they're not, um, they're not wanting to work full time. They've got lucrative years of skills that could be passed on and shared with the next generation. So how do we create structures or expand to include structures that allow that transaction to happen where they can pass what they've built and what they've learned to the generations to come? You've got veteran workers, um, immigrant workers. And so there is lucrative, qualified, diverse talent uh, really wanting to, you know, just get their heels in the sand, get into career building work, stay at companies long term, but the opportunity has to give them that equilibrium, that balance that really is a human thing. It's a human need and desire to do the work we love while being present for the moments in life that matter. So you're right. I, the education space is great. Some of the earlier fields that we're um, experimenting with and expanding in include group care. Um, and so starting with the spaces where there aren't a ton of red tape, like your group homes, um, your your nursing homes that are independently owned, but yet, you know, state licensed, um, the uh, business administration space. And this could range across, you know, the uh, executive assistance to the sales roles, marketing and comms, um, human resources spaces. So some of these areas where folks are just naturally working 40 plus hours a week. Um, and we could easily divide this to benefit productivity even more, but actually activate DEI. We talk about it a lot. We put checks in the box with in the boxes with workshops. But when it comes to showing the data or the proof, you know, what does your team look like? What does uh, how have you made room for folks with diverse lifestyles and being able to give examples of that? Um, it's something like a handoff, a job share model, um, simplifying a shared workload um, that allows us to actually have proof in our efforts to, uh, to diversify the workforce. Yeah, and, and so you, you moved into the DEI connection to job sharing, and I want to explore that some more. Um, but just to put a fine point on some of what you just said, I mean, there's a lot of different groups of people that can mm -hmm. benefit from a job sharing mentality. Now, some people really do embrace the gig economy. And so when, they, when you talk to people about job flexibility, job design, and, you know, the ability for them to kind of 
essentially be their own boss and make their own hours and do the projects they want to work on. For many people, you know, being a gig worker is is a great option. Uh, and they're happy to do contract and contingent work. Uh, but there are plenty of people that would still like to more formally be employed by an organization uh, and have the many benefits that are derived from that kind of a relationship, um, but still have some of that flexibility. And and so, you know, I use the example of the teacher, but you just listed off a whole bunch of other examples, really great examples of of talent pools that we can tap into if we're willing to rethink the way we design our work. And, you know, it, it, there's been so much of a talent shortage, especially in some industries. Um, mm-hmm. Some professions have experienced for quite a long time now uh, huge shortages. Why wouldn't we look for ways to better tap into uh, labor pools that would be interested in those jobs, but just aren't interested in a traditional 40 plus hour work week. Uh, another example uh, that I, I just have in my personal life is my sister-in-law, who's a nurse. Uh, guess what? She she works uh, this kind of a scenario and you know she works basically a couple shifts a week. Um, the, the hospital never has enough nurses. <laughs> And so they constantly are looking um, and out of necessity, this is what they've done. Uh, I don't, I don't, but I don't think they like it. I think they still wish that everyone would just be full time, uh, but it's just the the necessity. And so they've kind of capitulated and and made these types of arrangements. Um, What, what if we just proactively started to make those arrangements for people? How how many new applicants would we get? How many new potential really great talented people would start to come out of the woodworks and apply for positions that previously they would never have even considered um, because they, they weren't willing. One of the areas you talked about is, is the retirement age. You know, people are living longer. They're staying healthy longer. They can contribute longer. And, and someone may want to kind of softly move into retirement. Maybe they don't want that executive role anymore, but maybe they still have lots of years left to contribute and maybe they want to, you know, throttle back a little bit, but they don't want to be completely retired. Why can't we provide opportunities for people like that who have extensive experience, um, lots of, you know, the corporate history and the knowledge, uh, institutional knowledge and such, why wouldn't we try to create opportunities for those people to continue to contribute in a major way um, in this more flexible way with job sharing types of roles? And it's it's to our detriment as organizations if we're yeah, failing to do that. I love that. Lap. I mean, you said you, you dropped so many gyms there. You and I, are uh, our minds are on the same wavelength when you mentioned to our detriment. I want to say something. I think that employers have to get it and I don't mean this to be offensive, but I just think that like real conversations have to be had. If we're going to talk about it, we got to talk about it. Um, it's to our detriment, not because it's this charitable thing. Um, and mark my word, we can timestamp this and then we can come back to it in the next, you know, five to seven or 10 years um, and see how things have evolved. Anyone, any employer out there that does not strategically consider how to expand their hiring alternatives to be inclusive is literally working against their own goals and desires. Let's remove the charitable piece because that that's actually not important here. We're talking about a strategic business decision that delivers on the outcomes the uh, and the productivity that we want and has an effect on ROI. And it's like, I hear employers 
talk about these things. And what tends to really like move the needle is when there's a form of disruption. But like take COVID, we we saw about 100% of women left the workforce in December of 2020 stateside. Um, so many conversations were had over 2021. As things started to get somewhat, because we're not all the way, you know, all the way out of the week, but somewhat better in 2022, now we start seeing these headlines where Time Magazine says that as folks go back to work, the burden's back on women with children. How are we returning to the things that were problematic before disruption? That is what's going to make it uh, detrimental for employers if they don't do something different. Who I will shout out are the folks who are saying, we don't have to necessarily uproot our legacy structures and desires, but we do have to expand. I shout out the zebra startups that are coming out. And these are the folks that employers, when you think about remaining competitive, better look out for. The reason why I say that is because there are new companies that have decided they're making a conscious effort to not build their HR narrative and foundation based on what was. They want to start something fresh and new. They're, ta they're taking new soil and they're planting seeds that make room for everybody. So if you show up at their door, there's a space where you belong. I've been in conversation with the team over at uh, Random House in one of their departments. And they use this structure called work jams. So when it comes to, we were talking about job sharing and, and flexibility with them. They don't have a talent issue. There's always talent knocking at their door and they're always getting referrals because when you show up uh, at Random House, they they meet you, they see you, they see what you have to offer, and then they look around to see where can we get you in here? Where can we get you a seat at the table? Is it a gig style role? Um, do you want something that's more close to a nine to five? Do you want to be full time or do you want to be in kind of like this effort of job share? They've got a great structure. What they need to keep that going, of course, and I'm going to be a bit uh, biased in this space, but be, it, confidently so, is technology. That is where technology can be used for good. If we can scale it and make sure that 20 years from now, the next generation that comes through the door can have that flexibility, then now we're starting to change things at the root. Employers have to change things at the root. And again, I think the fear is, well, do we have to pull up everything and start over? No, you don't. You don't have to do that. You don't have to start over. You're just making room. You're expanding what you already have and you're taking it from good to great. And then you're getting a whole new set of skills, a whole new set of qualifications. You're getting a whole new level of commitment because you're diversifying not just your workforce, but you're actually putting your, your culture to use. So whatever that culture of your organization is, this is also where it's going to come in handy for people's success. Like diversifying how we hire, inclusive of job sharing, small teams workload sharing. It has such a... Um, multi-level effect uh, with that final like domino that's hit being uh, just a surge in productivity and satisfying ROI. So it's not a charitable thing. It's a strategic thing. And uh, employers that don't embrace that and who rush to go back to how things were will start to feel that uh, in due time as other companies you know, kind of give them a run for their money when it comes to being competitive. So that's a fair, I won't call it a warning, but it's a fair address. <laughs> <laughs> it's a fair yeah, advice. Uh, we're helping, John and I are helping these folks out. <laughs> Get on.
it, it's true. It's true. I mean, I think yeah. organizations that are lagging are just going to become increasingly irrelevant in the labor market. Yes. Um, you're, you're not going to be able to attract and retain good people. And, and job sharing and, and the types of arrangements we're talking about today, that's just one type of like re-envisioning the work mm -hmm. design and how we can run our organizations um, for the future of work. But there are many, and the reality is there are so many leaders that are digging in their heels that want to just keep things the way they always have been, or they want to get back to the way things were before the pandemic. And regardless of whether we're talking about job sharing or uh, remote dispersed workforce or you know whatever, name the thing, so yeah. many people are trying to retrench and go back instead of trying to figure out how can we do these these new modalities more effectively how can we design work for the future in a way that that fits with the needs the wants desires of 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 employees and the labor market and society as a whole and yeah you're just going to become increasingly irrelevant if you're not willing to take a good hard look at these sorts of things. Now, are we suggesting that every job should move to a job sharing model? No. Of course not. No. But yeah. but if you if you Can't are open to this kind of an approach and and rethinking, you know, the the assumptions behind the traditional, you know, 40-hour 8 to 5 kind of a work day and work week, then you might realize there there are actually tons of options uh, that and these options have tons of benefits not just for the individuals from a human perspective, uh, but for the organization from an ROI perspective. So it's really okay. a no brainer to to lean into this, and we're just hurting ourselves if we're not willing to really take a good hard look at it. Um, mm -hmm. The DEI efforts, of course, is is a is a key example of how this can benefit organizations. Um, but I, I just think there are so many different ways that this can help us. So how, how do you see now, if we zoom back into job sharing for just a moment, I just kind of went on my little soapbox there, um, but zooming it. back on into job sharing, uh, how do you see this shifting or impacting the future of job markets, say in the next five years? Yeah. One of the things that come to mind um, is just employers have struggled with skills gaps. And when we think about putting you know, divert. And when I say diverse, I don't mean just like race and culture. Those are very important. But in addition to those things, the level of experience that comes together, I think that we have the opportunity to, um, while it's innovative, it's like really just using what we've got to create something so dynamic. Um, within the next five or so years, the U.S. workforce can take some major turns for the good. When you think about how do we take the generations that are coming up? And we we spent a lot of time talking about how different each generation is, how Gen Zers, you know, they came up in a, at a time where the digital age was like super comfortable already. So they're just used to all these online things. There was a time, you know, I was born in the 80s. Back then, and even through the 90s, you weren't making six figures from putting videos on YouTube. An influencer wasn't a thing. You know what I mean? But look what happened when you had the generations that came before Gen Zers who all contributed to their ability to use technology in the way that they do now. And you have kids who are making millions of dollars globally. We champion things like that as we should, but why don't we use it in our workplaces? Why don't we use it in our, in our office buildings? Why don't we bring it into our team strategies and our workforce development strategies? And so I think that that is really all job sharing is doing, it's another way, it's an additional alternative 
to maximize the qualifications and the experience across a diverse workforce. Take someone that's worked with you for 10 years and pair them with someone who's worked with you for two, for two. And let's see what happens when we put these great minds and these unique skills and these you know innovative natures into the same space. So I think that uh, by kind of diversifying how we hire, and I had a CEO who came to me and he's like, Latoria, what I love about what you're building is we can actually remove this terminology of part-time and full-time. We don't have to focus so much on the clock because we can now get back to focusing on what we're creating. We can get back to focusing on the collaboration. And I loved that so much because that's a value proposition. So I see us being able in the next five years to put more of our energy and time on those desired outcomes and really meet those things or exceed those returns by creating this collaborative space um, where different generations and, 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 and a diverse group can come together and help those strategic goals and those performance measures to be met because we made sure they had the balance to do so. I think it's possible. I, I know we know it needs to happen. I think that folks just see it as like stateside, we're seeing it in our workforce as a glass half empty. And really we can get rid of the glass and just get to work. We're already doing it. We're already exhausting efforts to do something different. Why not take a technology like handoff and empower your team to collaborate better? Uh, capture that institutional knowledge, be able to replay it uh, tomorrow and five years from now and contribute the folks that are pushing the work. We're headed in that direction. And if we use technology and these structures in the right way, I think we stand to be highly satisfied to exceed some of those expectations we have uh, around the workforce and to hear some new stories. It is so time to hear new stories, to hear um, talent of color, to hear women in the workforce, to hear uh, the, 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 the Gen Zers who are coming up who are saying, I'm not staying at your company for 20 years. They're already arguing before they get there. It's time to hear some new stories, less fussing, and let's have some balance. Let's hear employees who are satisfied because they feel heard and they feel seen because they, found, they find cultures that understand their lifestyles. And this is not just vacation days. That's important, yes. This is not just salary. That's important, yes. But one thing that's invaluable and that's important to productivity and also I think just people's peace of mind is time. Now we can talk about the clock. Not that we're like counting each minute, but we're making each minute count. And that's exactly what a structure like job sharing or kind of flexing how we share workloads, yeah. that's what it'll change for the future ahead. And I'm, and I'm confident we're, we're, we're headed in that right direction. We just got to move yeah. a little faster. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And hand well, up here to help. <laughs> yeah, this has been just a wonderful conversation, yeah. Latoria. I really appreciate your insights. Uh, I know at the time I need to let you go here in just a minute, but before we wrap things up, I wanted to give you a chance to share with the audience how they can connect with you, find out more about your work, and then give us a final word on the topic for today. Yeah, so um, easily you can connect with us by visiting uh, Handoff's website at teamhandoff.com. And you can find me on LinkedIn, just Latoria Pierce. I'm pretty easy to find. Uh, and a word to wrap up. I think that the future of work is now. And I think that the, the load, while it looks heavy, it's a light lift when we all come together. Um, that being said, culture as a service does precede software as a solution. Meaning that we have to really think about 
what do we want to stand for? What's our HR narrative uh, within these different organizations? And once we're able to pin that down and make sure that the activation of that narrative is inclusive, then it'll be easy to partner with companies like Handoff, um, like JobShare companies, like one of our partners, WorkMuse, to start getting these folks in the door. So again, reach out. Handoff's definitely ready and in position to be a part of the cause. And super uh, grateful to you, John, for platforms like this that allow us to have the right conversations. Thanks so much. Thank you so much. Again, it's been a pleasure. I encourage the audience to reach out, get connected with Latoria, find out more about what her and her team can do for you. And as always, I hope everyone can stay healthy and safe, that you can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day. And I hope you all have a great week. Do you enjoy the Human Capital Innovations Podcast? Enjoy ad-free listening by going to the Patreon page. And please consider contributing even at the producer or sponsorship level. And please leave a review. Thank you for your support. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. I hope you stay healthy and safe and that you have a great week.